Welcome to San Diego News Fix, The Backstory. I'm Luis Cruz. Every week, we're giving you a behind-the-scenes look at our industry and giving you an insight into how decisions in our newsroom are made. Today, we're giving you an advanced look at a big multimedia project our newsroom is working on on the topic of mental health in San Diego County. Joining me today are Union Tribune Topics Editor, Tarsi Connors, Managing Editor, Laura Sacalo, and we begin with Editor and Publisher, Jeff Light. Jeff? Yeah, thank you, Luis. Um, so, Tarsi, uh, you're leading a pretty significant undertaking here uh, that's at a critical point this week on uh, mental health in our community. And I was going back and looking at my notes preparing for this podcast, and I see conversations that really began with you and me back at the end of 2019. So here we are years in the making on this project. So why don't we just start off uh, of an, with an overview from you of what is this undertaking? And then we can get into some of the journalism issues around it. Yes, so um, we are on um, the third day of a 72 hour look at the mental health crisis and it is a crisis that exists throughout San Diego County. We picked the 72 hour period because that is the amount of time that a person who is in a mental health crisis can be held involuntarily by law enforcement. So starting at Monday, right after midnight, we were out on the streets of San Diego witnessing what was going on and inevitably finding people who were in mental health crisis, finding a security guard at a um, apartment complex who had to take a mental health leave because she had witnessed somebody jumping off a building and, and killing themselves. So that was the beginning of, of this 72 hour period. And, and is very telling because we don't see that. We weren't there. Most it, we're asleep, right? When something like that happens, but that sort of thing resonates throughout the day, throughout San Diego County in institutions, in people's private homes, and in schools. So our, our task, our goal over the 72 hours is to look into all of those areas and witness what we, and, 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 and tell what we see, show what we see. And it could be we are we are um, at the police dispatch centers and the sheriff's department's dispatch centers, so that we can listen into the calls um, as, as they come in. We have been able to spend time half days in some of the psychiatric units um, at the uh, local hospitals. We've been able to sit in in crisis stabilization units where people in mental health crisis, rather than being placed in a psychiatric ward, um, can go and for 24 hours 
just sit in a recliner, decompress, have someone talk to them about their medications, what they're, you know, why they're feeling anxious and all of that. Um, we sat in a, on a suicide prevention class at a, a, a high school. Um, so, and meeting um, uh, veterans who man a hotline trying to help other veterans who are having a mental health crisis. So it's out there in, in every part of our lives and we're trying to document that. Yeah, now uh, um, you've got uh, quite a number of people. Just give us an idea of uh, uh, the staff that you're using on this, uh, this project. Well, I've stolen most of your newsroom. I have um, uh, 15 reporters um, who are working um, end to end, taking um, uh, various shifts. And um, then pretty much um, the entire photo staff um, is uh, teamed up with the reporters. So a big, uh, a big commitment. And just to, to be clear, there's 120 people in the newsroom just for our listeners. So 15 is not not most of the newsroom, but it's a lot. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think um, in my mind that there was a uh, conversation that, or a presentation that I heard uh, back in 2019 by Janie Roundtree who's the head of the California Policy Lab at UCLA. This was something that was put together by uh, Omar Passes over at uh, the county. And, and she was talking about homelessness. And the thing that really struck me was her insight that while uh, when, when we see the homeless crisis on the streets before us, uh, it's pretty easy to observe that there are a great number of people in mental health crisis or, uh, or, or, or uh, with chemical abuse problems, and those two things uh, can be intertwined. Um, the real definition of homelessness, according to her, was extreme poverty. And she pointed out that those other two conditions that present themselves, substance abuse and psychiatric problems, uh, those problems exist throughout every layer, every strata of society. Uh, and it's only when you are uh, uh, suffering either of those things and are extremely poor or without resources or without wherewithal or without support, that's when you end up on the street. And so that really stuck with me because I, I felt like it really framed, reframed my understanding of what I was seeing uh, in San Diego and that this homeless uh, 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 crisis is really just a small indicator of a broader mental health crisis throughout society. So uh, I really applaud uh, what you and that team are, are working on. Now, one of the challenges, I think, that one of the reasons so much of this crisis is unseen is because of uh, medical privacy, um, 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 social taboos around uh, mental health issues. So this uh, project to really peer into every corner, I think it's not gonna be easy. What, um, what have you guys done to, to overcome the, the uh, obstacles in reporting? And then maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the ethical issues there. Right, I mean, that, that has been the biggest challenge. When you think about it, just about everything regarding mental health is behind closed doors whether it be a psych hospital, whether it be a therapist office, you know, whether it be a school counselor's office, 
whether it be a private home. So by by its very nature, because mostly for privacy, right? I mean, it's confidentiality. You don't you don't want to you don't want to invade somebody's privacy. You don't want to hold them out um, to be ridiculed or made fun of um, because there is that stigma. Right. And, and, and it sort of feeds the the fact that everything is conducted behind closed doors sort of feeds into that stigma, because without that transparency, without mm-hmm. that exposure, you don't get to understand what's going on behind those closed doors. So that was a huge challenge for us. We had to have um, a lot of conversations um, with a lot of people. We started last summer by asking um, the um, the very important people, um, uh, Chief uh, San Diego Police Chief um, Nislight, at the time Sheriff Gore, um, DA Summer Stefan, uh, Mayor Gloria's office, and um, Supervisor Fletcher's office. And we sat down with all of them, talked about the project, what our goal was, and asked them um, um, if we could have their support. Um, and they all gave their, their full support to the project. Once we launched it, trying to get folks to allow us to then go with them behind those closed doors um, required a lot of conversation. So over the last year, one of the things that we did was, in part to allow the staff to better understand about the mental health system, we wrote a whole bunch of articles trying to understand, number one, what was the funding history you know, for, for, for mental health with the county? What are the existing resources? Um, how many people are using those resources? Where are the gaps? Um, so understanding the programs and the dynamics helped reporters to have a better sense of what they were going to be doing. And also during that time to build all of those really important relationships so that when it came time to actually launch the project and deploy in the field, we had had time to develop trust and for them to also see stories that we had written um, to know that we could be trusted, that we could talk intelligently and accurately about the the system. So we had to, we agreed to obey, not obey, um, abide by um, certain ground rules as we were moving forward with the project. That entailed agreeing to um, observe the confidentiality of um, the people that we would be seeing in mental health crisis. Clearly someone in a mental health crisis cannot consent um, to allow us to use their name or or any of those details. We agreed to not use their names. Um, We don't want anybody to be able to identify somebody in a mental health crisis. So there was a lot of negotiating that that went on and, and understanding that they could trust us and you know, up until, I mean, even, even today, <laughs> you know, every time we go to sit in, in that dispatch center or to walk through that, that psych ward or to sit in a, a um, suicide prevention class at the high school, people were nervous, mm-hmm. right? They were anxious and were fearful that 
our intent was to sensationalize, mm. not to witness and to help folks understand what we were seeing and what's going on in the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of sensitive issues there. I mean, uh, as a journalist, we weigh these choices, uh, I guess at a, a newsroom level, and there are consequences to all these choices. For instance, we don't do a lot of reporting on suicide, for, instance, for example. Mm -hmm. um, so the toll is sort of hidden, right? There's on average more than a suicide every day in San Diego County. I think the, the average toll is like in the 400s uh, per year. And, um, you know, also homeless deaths. Like at the end of the year, we write a, a very moving story about the number of people who have died on the streets. But when you look at those numbers, uh, it's also, uh, I, I guess for different reasons, sort of underreported, right? Like. Wow, there are people dying every day. People dying just about at a rate, you know, more than every day, and those those uh, that toll is going unseen. So there's some pretty um, important balancing we need to do in telling the story. Um, so let's turn to the commitment of resources here. Uh, Laura Sakala was the managing editor. You have uh, sort of a broad overview of how we use our resources and how we prioritize our stories and how we display them. And um, clearly, this is uh, an exception to the rule, right? right. Um, so just tell me a little bit about uh, uh, how, as a organization, we figure out what to report on and how we would figure out how to do something different like this. Well, a lot of the reporting is you know, kind of a combination of the, the news of the day, the breaking news that various reporters are following on their beats, uh, along with longer term stories uh, on those beats. And on occasion, people will peel off to do big projects. Um, we, we have a couple in the works that involve a couple of reporters working on special long-term projects, not that they're not doing other reporting along the way, but a big project like this requires a lot of discussion about the investment of, of those resources. Um, it, it isn't the whole newsroom, but it, but it is a good chunk of the reporting staff that for these three days and days ahead of this in preparation, uh, we're putting a lot of time and energy into this particular project. And um, so that requires both discussion and commitment on the part of the newsroom, but also adjustments on the part of their colleagues to cover things that might be on their beats uh, that they would not be able to cover while they're working on the project. So it's it's a newsroom commitment. This team certainly is on the ground and doing the work, but it's a commitment on the part of the newsroom to make sure that things don't fall through the cracks while they're working on the project. Right. So, you know, the, uh, I, I, I think it, the, the question sort of has both a uh, practical and a uh, maybe uh, uh, an ethical component to it, right? or philosophical maybe is the better word. So we, we, uh, we, we, we 
we deploy our resources to capture things of importance that are happening every day in San Diego, which includes a whole bunch of stuff ranging from what's happening in government, what are people cooking, how are the Padres doing, what happened with police. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty uh, pretty broad view of uh, the community and by, by definition, an, an incomplete one. And then occasionally we have these uh, concentrated uh, points of interest, right? Like uh, uh, a Tijuana podcast that's uh, ongoing right now, Border City, that took a couple of years to complete. Mm -hmm. Or um, the Refugee Cookbook Project, which has been ongoing for for more than a year and isn't even close to being done, right? Which attempts to capture uh, the, uh, the, the refugee experience and uh, uh, cultural experience across our whole community. Um, and then, you know, this, uh, this project, which focuses on, on, on the mental health crisis. So I, I guess, a, you know, a question would be, when we talk about fairness and balance, which I think are good principles uh, to guide us, how does proportionality fit into that? Like, I, I could imagine that there would be a use of this number of resources that might somehow feel inappropriate. So how like, do we journalistically square that with our mission? So maybe that's a Laura question and then well, it's a great, it's, thoughts as well. It's a great question. Um, and I think at the larger level, there, there is a lot of criticism about journalism in general, um, putting emphasis and resources uh, on something that maybe the individual feels is not of value or as much value as the attention would would seem to indicate. I think one of the important things about this project, and Tarzi touched on this a little, is the tentacles of this run through our entire community at, at every level. We, we are devoting resources on a daily basis to, to these issues. When we cover uh, homelessness, when we cover police uh, actions, when we cover the healthcare system, all of these things, education, you name it, there is an element of this that is woven throughout those topic areas and, and those beats. And I think the value of this project is helping to contextualize that for the reader, helping, I think this will give people insight into how all of these things fit together and why the mental health situation in our community um, is problematic where the the gaps are and how that plays out and you know our reporting on a daily basis has pieces of that in it and so i i think this short period of time there's a huge devotion of resources it's not that different from the resources that we're devoting in general over time in our reporting that's an interesting answer. I, 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 I like that. You know, as I'm 
looking at my own little list of, uh, uh, well, what are the big issues and are we properly prioritizing? Uh, on my quick list, I've got climate change slash emergency, poverty, racism, gender violence, hunger, and then maybe some non-local problems like pandemic threat, uh, uh, which I think would be the other uh, immediate uh, story that has commanded this sort of resources from us. Um, pretty similar, I guess. And, and in listening to your answer, Laura, I was sort of reflecting on, oh, are we capturing how, what that intersection is between poverty, how, how poverty uh, affects the mental health uh, uh, crisis or how, or vice versa. And by, right, I was gonna say and, vice versa. And racism mm -hmm. and gender violence and, and hunger as well. Right. Um, so uh, uh, I think that, uh, I think that's a good insight. Tracy, I'll give you the last word here on your undertaking. Uh, and uh, maybe rather than some difficult uh, ethical question, just I, I'd like to hear, you know, what we're finding out so far and uh, what your hopes are for the project when it's ultimately published, which I would imagine be, would, would be uh, months down the line. Um, we're finding out that um, there are a lot of people in mental health distress every hour of every single day. Um, the, some, some are, you know, are obvious to us with those, you know, mostly the homeless um, on, you know, you, on the streets. And then you, with, with some of the people have just been so gracious to let us into their lives these last three days, um, who, are just your your normal normal everyday person, right? Who holds a job? Um, so, some of who are um, have been diagnosed with a mental illness um, and have um, managed to tame that um, and uh, ha have a good life. Others are parents of children with severe mental illness who are struggling within the system um, to try to to help their children, um, you know, who, who go between being involuntarily incarcerated um, in a psych ward or in jail, or they just disappear. So you know, it's, it's, it's just such a, it's a very poignant and very painful thing to witness. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it, it is a reminder that it touches so many people's lives in, in so many ways and that we don't see it, I, th I think makes it really hard. I don't know how we do that. I don't know how, I, 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 my hope for the project is that we can show it to them so that readers understand the depth of the problem, the complexity of the problem and things that are working, things that aren't working and, and how as a community, right, they, they might be able to eventually make an impact and do something. Yeah, yeah, super well said. Thank, thank you so much, Darcy. Uh, Luis? 
Thank you very much, Jeff, Laura, and Tarsi. That does it for this special edition of San Diego News Fix. Don't forget to listen to San Diego News Fix with Christy Totten for an in-depth look at local stories making headlines throughout the week. You can find San Diego News Fix wherever you get your podcasts. For everyone at the San Diego Union Tribune, thank you very much for listening. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs>